Good morning, church. Uh, Our Bible reading this morning is from Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47. Um, So if you'd like to turn with me in your own Bibles or on your devices, we can read together. Acts 2, starting at verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. Now all the believers were together and held all things in common. They sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all as any had need. Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple and broke bread from from house to house. They ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. Every day the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. May the Lord bless his word to us this morning. My name's Isaac. Uh, I'm one of the assistant ministers here at our church. Uh, It is really great to be with you, uh, and I'm sure uh, some people are joining us online as well. Uh, Now, as I get stuck into Acts 2, it's this amazing description of a church, isn't it? It's got an incredible picture of how they lived, what they did, what their habits were. And it got me thinking, I wonder how some modern churches in Australia might be described. Uh, Now, uh, by the way, this is not supposed to be about our church, it's not supposed to be about TAC, but there might be some lines in what I've written that you might resonate with. So uh, coming up on the screen, this is a modern uh, picture of a church. Uh, They devoted themselves to their phones, to the baking of bread and to various streaming platforms. Everyone was filled with awe at the latest offering from Apple and TikTok. The believers held all their possessions tightly, fearing a friend might break, lose or sell them if they borrowed them out. They sold their property and distributed the proceeds to their many hobbies, lest the grandkids gain a hefty inheritance. <laughs> Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together for a strong coffee to kickstart the day. They ate their food to cure bouts of hangry. Every day the Lord looked down and scratched his head at their antics. <laughs> now, how much more beautiful is the picture that we have here in Acts 2 of the church? How they lived, how they treated one another... It's an amazing legacy which they left. And it's a striking portrait of one of the first churches that ever existed. And it's probably the communal life that we've all dreamt of at some point in life. Being surrounded by people that we love. You know, food aplenty. Meeting regularly with them and praising God together. And there's not a single command in this passage. It's this descriptive passage of like broad brushstrokes of what the community were all about. And I hope today we're inspired by this picture of a community who was zealous for Jesus and who loved to meet together. And we're going to spend some time today considering what we'd love our church to be like in the years to come. Today we're thinking about this idea of community. And to kick off, we're going to look at this concept of membership in a local church, and see that it's all about being a caring community. That's our first point for today. 
Now, membership, it's one of our M's here at church. Uh, We throw around these M words quite a bit. And this month, we're going through the five M's, which are key concepts that we see throughout the Bible. And we've chosen to structure our church around these five ideas uh, so that we might remain focused as a church. And the idea of membership is basically that God saves people into a community. Sure, we might change church to church in our time, but he's designed salvation to happen amongst other people in a local community. He's given us these kind of gatherings as a gift for our good. See, membership in a local church involves caring about God and depending on him, but it's also a group which cares deeply for each other and is actually dependent on each other. Devoted to God. In verse 42, we see this. It says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread. They were diligent and constant in their study of his word, seeking to grow in their maturity in Christ. And this early church had a membership with each other which recognized that the foundation was maturity. The foundation was Jesus, who united all of them. And we're told twice here that they regularly celebrated the Lord's Supper, which Jesus told them to do. This passage helps us to remember that the foundations for a healthy membership actually starts with Jesus. It starts with this maturity in Christ. And it's similar to what we looked at last week, how maturity in Christ is the foundation of the Christian life. God works in someone to change them, to transform them as this new creation in Christ. God opens spiritually blind eyes to see Jesus, to see Jesus as the one we're to love, the way, the truth, and the life. That's why Christian membership is unlike any other membership in this world. It's not like we sign up and, you know, get a newsletter and that's it. Christian membership is about first being united to Jesus through this spiritual thing that's happened. And once we're united to him, we also belong to each other. Uh, We see this in Romans, uh, chapter 12, verse 5. It says, So in Christ, we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We belong to each other. So today, as we think about membership, we need to remember that it all starts with God working in somebody. And once this happens, Christians, they're compelled to devote themselves back to God. Their desires are transformed. And God also changes how we treat others as well. We see this in the passage, like the amazing impact that Jesus had on these people, how devoted they became to another. The radical steps of care, which they took. Uh, Verse 42 says, They devoted themselves to fellowship, amongst other things. 46, Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple and broke bread from house to house. They sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all as any had need. They were a zealous group to meet and to remember Jesus. They met in these public places like temples, but also in private, in the houses, from house to house. And they really did need each other. They chose to sell all their possessions and shared the proceeds amongst the people. And it's an incredible Uh, expression of their unity and of the dependence to each other. 
it's a stunning picture of loyalty, of care, of support. And it really does challenge us. And yet it's not a command for us to do exactly the same, right? It's this description of a lifestyle of this early church. How they express their dependence on each other. So I wonder how we might do that as well. And a community that's devoted to each other, it'll naturally come about when a group has recognised the grace that they've received in Jesus, when they've recognised the love they've had in Jesus. The caring community of a church isn't to be manufactured or something that's done for show for the rest of the world. It's a group that have experienced being treated graciously in Jesus, who have understood that Jesus has suffered in their place. And when someone's kind of felt that kind of care in their life, it makes all the sense in the world to then go on to share that with those around them, especially with their new brothers and sisters in Christ. And I think these verses must stand behind one of the phrases in our vision. You'll see it up on the the wall here. We've got some kind of new um, boards that have been put up. We remember that we love each other deeply. And it's just like this early church did. We are devoted to one another. We're dependent on one another. Looking to fill the needs, the real needs of the people in our church. But is the word devoted there in 42 and 46? Is that a bit strong here? And maybe it sounds like those people who are overly dependent on somebody else in life. People who have, you know, dependency issues. Or they're not very good at setting boundaries. Should we really be dependent on each other? It kind of might sound a bit overly needy, right? And (laughs) maybe you've grown up, you know, staunchly independent. I know I did. Maybe you think of yourself as a self-made man or woman. And this passage, it challenges this common idea, which says that independence equals maturity. I wonder if you've thought about that. Does independence always equal maturity? Maybe you've lived this way. You know, never sharing your needs with anyone. Never asking for help. Now, don't get me wrong, independence is is often a really great sign of maturity. But I think many Aussies can take this too far, and we never really express our needs. We never really open up like that and depend on each other. We don't want to be seen as weak or immature. So do we actually rely on each other for for needs that we have, for emotional support or spiritual direction, for accountability? Even financially, as this passage describes, do we see our stuff as common stuff? It's a big question to ask, isn't it? Do we, you know, factor in being generous with our church in our budget? And for many of us today, greater dependence on our church family will actually be a great step of maturity, I think, to rely on people a little bit more. So why not chat with someone today how you're being cared for and how you're looking to care for others in this community as well. Now, we've just thought about how membership, it's expressed in devotion to one another. We depend on each other, but we also depend on each other for mission as well. We don't just go at it solo when we go out to reach the world. We're an outstretched organism. That's what I've called this second point for today. 
together on mission. And what I'm trying to express here, I think there's another um, slide that will come up there. What I think I'm trying to express here is, is that we're united together to reach more and more people with the gospel. See, the gospel, by very definition, it's evangelistic, right? We want to share this good news with those around us. We go to the ends of the earth, calling anyone who would listen. We aren't solo agents, kind of singly going out to our patch to share Jesus. And we need each other to survive as an organism. We're attached to other believers. We belong to each other. We might be all kinds of different, all kinds of diverse, but we need one another. Because we have a massive task of reaching this world, don't we? And I thought this might be a helpful like, little illustration for this idea of being an organism. Uh, you know, a little anemone there with a clownfish in it. And I think it works because it's all about being one big organism with smaller parts that are reaching out, kind of like the, I don't know what they're called, little tentacle things on the, the coral there. But then I realised that like most fish are actually being stung by the corals, right? It's only a couple of fish that really can call that place home. So I thought maybe not, it's, it's not quite an anemone. Maybe it's a bit more like one of these big bunion trees. I think there's another photo that will come up there with branches and twigs and leaves all kind of stretching out to the world, providing a home for all kinds of animals and birds. It's not too threatening to any grip, I don't think. <laughs> and let me know, if you can think of a better illustration for membership and organism, yeah, come and let me know. I can use it in the later services. Um, now, this early church... It was a deeply connected organism, and you can see that by how much they cared for each other, and they reached out to the world together. And one of the key ways that we're told that they reached out was through prayer. They were devoted to prayer. They pleaded again and again to the God who can save. Verse 42 says, they devoted themselves to the fellowship and to prayer. And just like this early church, let's be dependent on God as we share Jesus Let's consider joining this prayer walk that's happening today. I think it's a, a great litmus test for our dependence on God in mission is our prayer life. So let us cry out to Him out of like a deep concern for our neighbours, knowing that they need Jesus. And we cry out to Him because of what verse 47 describes. It says that the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. And this reminds us, it is God's mission before it was ever our mission. He is reaching a lost world. Ephesians 1, it says, For He chose us in Him, in Jesus, before the creation of the world, to be holy and blameless in His sight. God is determined to save a people for Himself. He's building his kingdom and nothing's going to stop that. And in this early church, he was pleased to add to their number. He even added 3,000 people in one hit. Now, verse 41 tells us. And we'll learn from the, this early church how they depended on each other as they shared Jesus. See, just as we are dependent on God in mission, we also depend on each other in mission too. Uh, sharing Jesus wasn't meant to be this solo task, but we do it as this community. 
Uh, I think we can see this in what's happened just before in the passage that we just read. So you might be able to open up to Acts 2 and see what's happened with the Apostle Peter. He spoke this word to a large group. And in verse 38, he teaches the people you know, to repent, to be baptized, and 3,000 people believe on that day. And just think for a moment the kind of support Peter would have needed for those 3,000 new Christians. Even to baptize them, like imagine how much dunking that is in one morning. That's, that's a real workout. He would have needed a whole church around him to speak to them, to help them apply what they just heard, to let them know when the next meeting's going on. He would have needed a whole church behind him. And now I'm glad that we're tackling these two big aspects of membership and mission together. Uh, Sometimes we think about these ideas kind of in isolation, uh, but I think it's helpful to consider how do they all work together because they do vie for our time, our thought, and we've got to think about how they interact and how we can get a good balance between particularly membership and mission in our church so that we can remain healthy and so one area doesn't compete or detract from the other. So we'll briefly think about this in our last point for today, how we've got to keep them together, membership and mission. And what I'm saying here is that the way in which we practice our membership should serve God's mission. And the way in which we practice our mission should serve membership. And to make this point, I'm really going to just share a few illustrations of different communities, different churches I've either been in or have observed to make this point. So membership which serves God's mission. Now this early church, it had a close community and it didn't hinder the mission of God in adding more to the number. Notice how it was a super close community and yet they still had this presence in the public society. They're still out in the houses and in the temples day to day. They also had great favour amongst those around them. So they were known, they were understood, people had seen their lives. Their close membership served the mission of God. In their joyful community, it must have been a porous one where just let outsiders come and join and many outsiders come and join. And I've seen in a modern example where Christians have valued membership so much that it's actually hindered their attempts at reaching a needy world. One of my good friends in the school, um, where I went to school, where I grew up, uh, he uh, was part of this Christian community and they lived all together on a property. It was similar to an Amish or a Quaker's uh, kind of community up uh, near the town where I grew up. And because he was a close mate, I actually got a few chances to go and visit this community. It was a few hundred Christians living out on this property and uh, they kind of make signs for a living. So if you see those carved signs around uh, Australia, they're most likely made from this group of Christians, which is pretty amazing. And when I first went and visited them, it was a lovely experience. Like the love in that group and we kind of uh, sung together and joined a service or two and we played soccer together. It was a really close community. Yet I think this, this Bruderhof community, they seem to value membership so fiercely that they'd made poor strategic decisions for mission. Uh, People couldn't just sort of walk in off the street to join their group. They were out kind of very far from any other group. They weren't really mixing in with the people who needed to hear about Jesus. 
Now, that example might seem so extreme, so far-fetched, like you're not going to think about joining a, a community like that any moment now. But I've seen the same sort of thing happen in a church a bit closer to home, the same sort of thing. Uh, I was part of uh, this church, and in one of the services, uh, every year, without fail, uh, something kind of strange would happen. Uh, for three weeks of the year, about 70% of the church would all go on holidays to one particular caravan park for three weeks of the year, every January. And the, the percentage kind of, I thought was a bit strange. It wasn't quite everybody, but it was most people. And it was really interesting to see who didn't hear about it, who didn't go along. And it was extremely difficult to break into that group. And even, it was in January, right? That's when we had most of our visitors come to church. It was so hard to kind of keep services going, to welcome uh, other Christians that might be checking out the church and other non-believers that might be coming and checking out Jesus. I think that example, they, they cherished membership so much at the cost of mission, at least at times. But we also need to be aware that we can focus so much on mission at a cost to membership as well. We can be so you know, gung-ho about mission that we neglect caring for the people in the gathering itself. We don't even consider their needs. Another church that I was in, I, they kind of went through uh, recognising that they had you know, focused so much on mission and they kind of neglected membership of many of their uh, members. The, the leadership publicly owned the fact that uh, many people in that community felt very lonely and disconnected from that church. They hadn't spent quite enough time caring for the community. And coming out of that discussion, there were heaps more social events for the sake of a social event. Not every event had to be tied to a mission event. And it was really quite wonderful seeing this sense of devotion and closeness and reliance grow over time. And the balance is tricky, right? It's hard to get it right. And I think we're going to need God's guidance, his help, uh, as we think about these things and to discern for our church where we're at and where we might want to go in the years to come. I might lead us in a time of prayer now. Please join with me. Our dear Lord, we thank you that you have saved us into a community. Thank you for the love and the care that we receive in your church. Uh, we do pray that we would be a growing church which loves each other more and which keeps holding out the gospel to a world which needs it. Uh, do help us to be discerning and to think through how we might uh, get this balance right. Help us to think this through uh, even this morning. And it's in Jesus' name which we pray. Amen.